podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC and your daily reminder that the Reds are top of the league. And not just top of the league, but sitting pretty in the Europa League in the last 16, waiting to find out who they'll play. Heading towards an FA Cup fourth round fixture at home to Norwich, which should hopefully lead to a fifth round fixture. And now qualified for the final of the EFL Cup. A 1-1 draw away to Fulham last night was enough to see the Reds ease through into the final where they will face Chelsea in a repeat of the 2022 EFL and FA Cup finals, both of which Liverpool won on penalties. It would be nice if we could win that game in normal time and not have to deal with extra time and penalties, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, you look at the team last night, we're obviously missing a number of players. Jürgen rotated a couple of players, leaving out Curtis Jones, leaving Diogo Jota on the bench. But we still went there and in a very professional manner, got the job done. And I thought we got some very good performances. I thought Darwin was very good. I thought Diaz had another good game, which is great to see. Uh, Gakpo had some really good involvements in the game, but not enough of them. Harvey was busy. Alexis was good. Ryan Gravenberg had his best performance from the start of a game since September. But the defence was what really shone for me. Virgil was Virgil. He was outstanding. We take that as a given now. The guy, is, he's the best centre-back in the world, and it isn't close. Like, it just isn't close. And he continues to make a mockery of all the stupid people that say he had two good seasons and for some reason decide to ignore the 21-22 season when he was unbelievable. This is four great seasons for Liverpool and a great half season when he first arrived. He's been at the club six and a half years. Well, by the end of this season, it'll have been six and a half years. And you'll be looking at one season lost to injury. Last season where he was well short of what he's capable of, but still better than people made out. And four and a half incredible years. The 18-19 season obviously being arguably the best best season any centre-back has ever had. He was also brilliant for Southampton. 
And he has established himself without question as the best centre-back in Premier League history. Now, does he need some more medals to make that argument for the stupid people? Yeah, he does. Because stupid people look at team success and think that equates to individual quality. So another Premier League title, couple more cups, another Champions League, they would all go a long way towards helping quiet the stupid people. Connor Bradley was, for the most part, very good. He did struggle early on. They got in a little bit too easy down that side a couple of times. Anthony Robinson got dangerous crosses in. But then Bradley grew into the game, as he did in the first leg, and started to play really well. Now, he was poor on their goal. He overcommitted to the outside and just made it very easy for Harry Wilson to cut back in. You don't need to commit against Harry Wilson. He doesn't have the explosive burst to beat you from a standing start. All he's going to look for is a half a yard to get across in. Stay tight in front of him. He's going nowhere. He's going to turn around and knock it back to his left back. But other than that, impressive again from Connor Bradley, who is just an Andy Robertson clone. He runs like him. He moves like him. He defends like him. I really like how intelligent Bradley is in the final third. He doesn't just keep making overlapping runs for the sake of making them. He picks and chooses his moments. He knows when to come infield. He's very comfortable on the ball. And he's a promising prospect without question. But the two players that stood out to me... Oh, a quick word for Cuevin Kelleher. Don't think he could have done anything on the goal. He did have one early shaky moment and then one in the second half that was a little bit of a oh god kind of moment nothing came of it but it was just one of them where you thought just settle yourself just calm calm down a little bit but he made a good save from Harry Wilson he dealt well under the high ball on a pretty windy night his kicking for the most part was pretty good he had one or two errant ones but that's fine He shows a good ability to kick off his left foot, which is very promising. And it allows him to play for us. The fact that he is good and comfortable off both feet really does help him. We saw him be proactive as a sweeper as well, coming up at one point to about 15 yards from the halfway line to deal with a clearance and then just feed it back to, I think it was Quancy he fed it to, and then he got himself back into his area. So all in all, another another decent night for Cuevin. The more he plays, the better he is. That's the simple fact of it. He doesn't play enough. That's just where it is. So maybe next season, if we don't want to sell him, he has to go on loan. He has to go on loan. He has to play regularly. But the two players that stood out to me last night were Joe Gomez and Jarrell Kwanzaa. Now... Luis Diaz got the official man of the match. I would have given it to Joe. I thought he was outstanding. From start to finish, I thought he was outstanding. Joe Gomez has had so many injury problems that it would have been very easy for him to give up at some point. But he never has. And he fits in wherever we need him to be. 
wherever we need Joe, Joe fits in. Right back, left back, centre back. You ask him to do a stint in midfield, no problem. And he turns in good performances week after week after week. And last night, I think he made a really strong case, as he has done in recent weeks, that even though Andy Robertson is back, Joe Gomez should be our first choice left back. I mean, Joe is only 26. He'll be 27 in May. So he's in his prime, entering into his prime right now. The injuries mean he'll probably never be the player he could have been. But the player he could have been was probably one of the best defensive players in world football. Even after the injuries, he can still be one of the best defensive players in the Premier League, as he has shown this season. Joe has been incredible. Wherever we've asked him to play, he's just slotted in and got the job done. And you look at his Liverpool career and you look at the injuries he's had and how many games he's been forced to miss. And you do wonder what we've missed out on. Because Joe could have been a huge difference maker for us in, say, 21-22, when he only played eight league games, 21 in all competitions, but looked rusty because he'd had the long layoff after the patella tendon tear. He'd missed, obviously, most of the previous season, having gotten hurt in early November, after starting that season brilliantly. He was great in the title-winning season. He was great when he played in the Champions League-winning season. He was tremendous the year before that when we got to the Champions League final as well. Other than last season, where he was poor, Joe Gomez has always been very, very good for us. But I feel like this year, he's taken it to a new level. And he's playing the best football of his career. And I said it to Guy last night on on Raw. I don't know that there's another Premier League club that he doesn't start for, bar Spurs. And I said City at the time. He wouldn't start for City. But then, Guy, as Guy pointed out, Kyle Walker has declined significantly. So maybe Joe would start at right back for them. He's a better footballer than Kyle Walker. You know, he'd start for Arsenal. He's better than any of the fullbacks they have. He's better than Ben White. He's better than Zinchenko. He's better than Tommy Asu. I think he's better than Jurian Timber. Personally, I'd probably take him over one of the centre-backs. But he'd start for them at fullback. He'd start for Villa at centre-back next to Pau Torres with Ezri Konza playing right back, his old mate from Charlton. Spurs is the one I don't think he would start for. I think Romero is better than him. Ange likes to have a left-footed centre-back, so the other one would be Van de Ven, who's really, really good to his credit. And Ange wants those full-backs to basically be wingers. So again, it's just it's more a fit thing than a quality thing. I'm not saying he's not as good a footballer as Pedro Porro, because I think he is. He's certainly a much better defender than Pedro Porro, but Porro's having a great season. 
and he suits their style more than Joe. He starts for United, he starts for Brighton, he starts for Chelsea, starts for Newcastle at centre-back. Well, question. And he starts for everybody in the bottom half. Like, Joe is that good. And this is not me saying this now. I said this the better part of two years ago on this podcast. And people scoffed at it at the time because he wasn't playing well. But one of the reasons he wasn't playing well is because he was just back from a long injury that takes a long time to recover from. And he was rusty and he hadn't he hadn't had the opportunity to get himself back to his level. But right now, he looks like he's playing at the same level, if not better, than he was pre-injury, pre-Patella tendon tear. And the thing is, maybe he's always been a left-back. Maybe that's, that's the trick we've missed. He came to the club from Charlton, played left-back, was excellent, got injured, and never really got back to left-back. Filled in now and then. But Moreno got games, Milner got games, Andy Robertson then became the starting left-back when he when he joined the club, well, after a settling-in period. And there's never been an opportunity for Joe to go back to left-back. But now he's getting it, and he's been tremendous. And as good as he was at centre-back and as good as he's been at right-back this year, he does look most comfortable at left-back, especially when he steps into midfield and inverts into that double pivot. We saw him doing last night with Alexis and then with Jones, and he just looks so at home. And he's taking the ball in tight spaces. He's turning out of trouble. He's using the ball well. And he's getting himself into really good positions. I do wonder if Joe Gomez should no longer be considered, other other than like he's the fifth centre-back. Maybe he shouldn't be considered a centre-back anymore. Maybe he is just a full-back. And just a full-back is not dismissive of the fact that he's playing full-back. Maybe his best position is playing full-back and in particular left-back. Because when he comes inside onto his right foot and the whole field opens up for him, He's got the ball-playing ability. Raj Chonan has been pointing out for the longest while that of our centre-backs, Joe's probably the best ball player. Now, Virgil's the best passer, without doubt. But Joe has a, has a wider range of things he can do. Joe can beat players 1v1. Joe can carry the ball through the lines. Joe can fire that low pass in to the feet of a midfielder, to the feet of a forward player. Or he can switch to play. And he's a really good crosser. So he can do pretty much everything you need him to do, anything you want him to do. I just think we're very, very fortunate to be getting this season from Joe. And long may it continue. If anyone deserves some luck, it is Joe Gomez. And then Jarrell Kwanzaa, who is now 16 games into his Liverpool career. 32 32 games into his senior career. He had 16 games last year on loan with Bristol Rovers as well. I think he 
I really do think he just looks like the absolute business. He's so calm, so composed. He's so good defensively. As I said before, the only concerns you have over him, that kind of five-yard burst and speed on the turn, if they are things that can be worked on and we can develop that with him, he has everything else. He's huge. He's strong in the air. He's good 1v1. He reads the game really well. His passing is exceptional. The ball last night to Diaz, just hanging that ball right on top of Castanier for Diaz to attack. We've seen him play some other fantastic balls. The West Ham game at home played some gorgeous balls out to Nunes on the left. He really does just look like the complete centre-back if he can if he can improve his pace in short distances. His, his long-range pace looks pretty good. It's just the short-distance stuff. If that can be worked on, I think Jarrell Quance is going to be a top, top centre-back. But it shows the importance of games. Jarrell Quance, like I say, 32 senior games in his career. He turns 21 in four days. Nat Phillips has played 77 senior games of football. He didn't make his professional debut until he was 22, almost 23. Now, Jarrell is a much more talented footballer than Nat Phillips. <clears throat> but Nat Phillips is a solid, serviceable, old-fashioned centre-back. But he just hasn't played enough in his career. Like, Nat, Nat Phillips is going to be 27 in March. Nat Phillips is two months older than Joe Gomez. Two months older than Joe. He's played 77 career games. Joe Gomez has played 226 career club games and 11 for England. And by the way, that 11 for England should be rapidly rising. If he's not in the next England squad, him and Curtis Jones, Gareth Southgate needs to be fired. They're two of the best performing English players right now, any position. So you've got Joe Gomez playing like week in, week out, barring injuries since the 14-15 season when he broke through at Charlton. Now, he obviously missed the better part of two years with injury and then the better part of two more years. Like Joe has lost the guts of four years, say three and a half years, to injury in his career. Like that alone would be over 100 games, 100 more games. Nat Phillips has never had any serious injury problems. He's played 77 games and didn't make his debut until the 1920, the back end of the 1920 season. Kwanzaa is benefiting from playing regularly. But what's really impressive is we've seen him next to Virgil. We've seen him next to Ibu. We've seen him next to Joel Matip. 
We've seen him next to Joe Gomez. We've seen him play either right side centre back where he does look more comfortable or left side centre back. And he's completely unfazed. Remember when he came on against Newcastle? And just looked like he'd been there for years? Like, in that game, we're under the cosh. We're down to 10 men. We're losing. Matip goes off. Kwanzaa comes on. Virgil's already been sent off quite a while beforehand. And he comes on and looks absolutely at home. He has a goal and three assists as well. Now, that's meaningless to measure centre-back by assists, but, I mean, that's more assists this season than Gabriel Martinelli or Jack Grealish or Anthony. You know, it's not nothing. But he does look the real deal. He really does. And playing alongside Virgil and Ibu because obviously Matip's that injured now, is going to help him hugely over the next couple of years as he develops and learns from them. You'd like to see us add another centre-back in the summer, especially if, if Joel leaves. And like I say, maybe you just make Joe Gomez part of your full-back rotation or maybe just make him your starting left-back. And Joe can be the fifth centre-back. But if we were to add... Tadebo or Diamande or Lenny Yaro to Virgil, Ibu and Kwanzaa, you'd be really, really happy going into next season with that group. You really would. Like maybe we don't, other than other than adding one centre back, maybe we don't actually need to do anything else defensively. Maybe Joe is the left back. Because with Joe, he can play the inverted role. He can play as part of a back three. He can play as a traditional left back. He he doesn't overlap and cross off his left foot all that well. But maybe that's something for him to spend the summer working on when Gareth Southgate decides to ignore him and bring, I don't know, Ben Chilwell and Kieran Trippier as the left back options to the Euros. Maybe that's what Joe can work on. Just non-stop, overlap, swing across with your left foot. He doesn't have to do that. He can cut back onto his right foot and cross really well, but it would be a good string to his bow. But I'm so impressed with Kwanzaa and Gomez this season. They've been such enormous boosts for us. Because after the season Gomez had last year, and given Kwanzaa had never played above League One, there was major question marks over both of them coming into the season. I mean, Kwanzaa wasn't really even under consideration at the start of this season. But now he's, I mean, he's an automatic name in the matchday squad without question. And you don't have concerns. Like, obviously, when it's Ibu and Virgil, that's that's the pair. That's the best pairing in the world. But when it's Kwanzaa and either of them, you're not like, oh no, Gerald Kwanzaa's playing. You're like, oh grand, Gerald Kwanzaa's playing. He's really good at football. He's a really good centre-back. And again, like, 
it's not just when Allison's behind him either. Like you're, you're fine with him there when Cleveland Kelleher's behind him. It's not just when Trent is the right back or Gomez is the right back. Connor Bradley was the right back last night. Kwanzaa was playing in a cigar, in a, in a pair of slippers, a house coat and puffing on a cigar. It, it was all very, very comfortable for him. We will soon beginning, be beginning the Gerald Kwanzaa is better than William Saliba agendas, especially if we win this cup, because that will mean he'll have won one cup more than William Saliba in his young career, whereas William Saliba has played an awful lot more and won absolutely nothing to date. So um, I see no reason not to do what Arsenal fans and other fans do and promote players based on team success, if it suits my agenda. Um, William Saliba, career games. Uh, If we remove those three and those two, because they're underage games. Uh, He's played 172 games in his career and 12 for his national team. And he's won jack shit. Gerald Kwanzaa by game 40 will have a cup under his belt and potentially this season could win a lot more. So that would be a thing of beauty. Uh, This is Anfield. What have you got for me? Um, Last word on the semi-final. They have an exclusive that the Anfield road stand will not be fully open for the Chelsea game. The club had said they hoped for the end of January. It's not looking like that now. Uh, Four things spotted versus Fulham, uh, including Daniel Sturridge's scarf. Jürgen offers mixed injury update on Robertson, Sabozlai and Alexander-Arnold. We'll come back to that. Um, Why Luis Diaz was the right man of the match as Liverpool break 23-year record? I mean, fine, he, he played well, but he wasn't as good as Joe Gomez. Um, player ratings as Van Dyke shines and Gakpo struggles. It's just tough for Gakpo because he's not a right winger. He doesn't have the pace that you would want out there because he he's not cutting back on his left foot because his left foot's not strong enough. He's not cutting in field and getting shots away. He has to go on the outside to get his shot off. He doesn't have the burst to do it. Um, Let's see. So, Kelleher, 6.7. Bradley, 7. Kwanzaa, 7.1. These people are stingy, aren't they? Virgil, 7.6. Gomez, 7.3. Now, this is Anfield. Did give him 9 out of 10. Uh, But the evening standard... Gave him 6 out of 10. And this is Anfield readers who are obviously in need of a cuddle or something. Gave him 6.5. McAllister, 7.1. Elliot, 6.9. Gravenberch, 6.5. This is Anfield readers gave Gravenberch 4.7. They rated him the worst player. I think that's really harsh. I've been... I've been harsh... On Gravenberch because he's got immense amounts of talent and it pisses me off that he doesn't use it. It pisses me off that he's six foot three and he's soft. 
But last night, he played well. Last night, he did everything we could have asked him to do for about 65 to 70 minutes. Jürgen left him out there too long. He was clearly blowing out of his arse. Jürgen should have hauled him off earlier, but he couldn't because he decided to take Alexis off and put Curtis on because Alexis is not long back from injury and taking a couple of blows during the game. And Bobby Clark was the only other midfield option there other than Trey Nioni, who's 16 years of age. So he held off on bringing Gravenberg off. And unfortunately, yeah, he, he did struggle in the last sort of 10, 15 minutes he was on the pitch. But still, 4.7 is a scandal. Uh, Gakpo, 5.6, uh, given a 5 by This Is Anfield. A little bit harsh. I would have said 6 would have been fair. Uh, 4.8 by This Is Anfield readers. Uh, Luis Diaz, 8.3. 9 out of 10 from This Is Anfield. It wasn't a 9 out of 10 performance for me. Uh, Darwin, 7 out of 10, which is, again, I, these are just... Give all of them a, a point or a half point more. Like, Callagher, uh, 7.2 would be fair enough. Bradley, 7.5. I think Quanza was an 8. Virgil was an 8. Gomez was a 9. Alexis was an 8. Harvey was about a 7.5. Gravenberg about a 7.5. Cody about a 6 to 6.5. Diaz, I would have said about an 8. And then Darwin, I would have said 7.5. And I think I think I'm imagine a world where I'm the one being fair about this. Jesus Christ. Um right, Jurgen offers mixed injury update. Okay, Trent is still not back in first team training. So he's unlikely to play against Norwich, I would suggest. But Dominic should be good to go and Robbo is good to go. Um... It does look like Trent will be back for, for Chelsea. Yeah, it looks like Trent for Chelsea, which is fine. Which is fine. You don't want to rush him. He's he's far too important to risk take any risks with. Um Liverpool Ace who splits opinion is on Ginny Wijnaldum track. What? No. No, no, no. Man United defeated in secret friendly as Everton highlight Liverpool transfer masterstroke. We'll come back to that. Uh, Marco Silva makes honest Liverpool admission admission after emotional Fulham defeat. Jurgen Klopp confirms first Wembley starter with boss desperate to give opportunity. I assume that's Cuevin Callagher. Um... Piece about, about Calvin Ramsey. There's a couple more pieces on Jurgen. There's a piece about Jose Mourinho by the looks of it. I'm not sure what relevance that would have to us. Um, I can't really be asked to read it. So, um, Marco Silva, I thought it was funny last night. He he had a big tantrum when Raul Jimenez dived and tried to win a penalty, and then. Uh, 
someone showed it to him on the the little iPad, and uh, he clearly realised that it had been uh, a pretty poor dive by his striker, who also dived in the second half. And by the way, when they showed the replay of the second half, they didn't bother commenting on the fact that he practically caught the ball as it came out of the air and just waffled on about, oh, you've seen them given. Um, Let's see. Ever- Everton sets Amadou Onana price. Allegedly, they would want £60 million. I'd take him. I'd absolutely take Amadou Onana. I think he's outstanding. I'm not sure why they're trying to compare Onana to Alexis. Like, he cost £35 million and unlike Onana, is already the finished article. Well, firstly, he's three years older. And secondly, he had a buyout clause, which is why we got him so cheap. Onana is an outstanding player and someone that would help us hugely. Um, after its winter break, Man United prepared for its FA Cup trip. Would he be behind doors, closed doors friendly? They were beaten by Burnley. Um, it's the second time Burnley have defeated United in a private friendly, having trashed Eric Ten Hag's side 3-0 back at Carrington, at Carrington back in August, the likes of Maguire, Shaw and Casemiro are all likely to have featured. According to Norwegian journalist Frederick A. Filvi, who, who's a bit of a spoofer now, to be fair, uh, United were beaten 3-1. I mean, it's funny. It's absolutely irrelevant to Liverpool, so I'm not really sure why it's it's on a Liverpool-related website. Um, what did Marco Silva say? Overall, I believe Liverpool played better than us, but our commitment and attitude was always there. Yeah, fair play. Fair play. You know, they did they did compete. Their attitude was spot on, but we were better. And that's that's fair enough. Um right, on to Anfieldindex.com. There is a piece about Steve Nichol questioning whether Kelleher should start the final. There is a piece about our academy and the, the young players that are leading the charge this season. There's a piece about Mbappe, a piece about the January transfer window. Uh, Klopp's stunned by former Reds heroics. So we'll come back to that podcast-wise. There is a transfer show with Trev and Dave Davis. There is the post-match Raw from last night, which is just Harry and myself. Sorry, Guy and myself, because Harry was unable to make it. Um, Harry had some issues with a flight and was unable to make it. So it's just me and Guy uh, for the hour. It's a good chat, though, so do give that a listen. Uh, what is this? Oh, it's it's Jürgen talking about um, Harry Wilson and the development in his game and, and how, he's, how he's developed and got the assist last night, and he said it was a sensational assist from Harry, um, which is fair. Absolutely fair. Right, that's it. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, 
where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.